Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you find yourselves, at whatever time you find yourself in this beautiful world of ours. Welcome to The Mondo Solution. This is Jordan McDonald with your brilliant co-host over here, Brandon. What, 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 what? What up, everybody? <laughs> Jordan, how are you, buddy? I'm doing really well today. I'm soaking wet. You yes. can't tell. It's no. in my bones. It's in Colorado. <laughs> at least we're not choking on the smoke anymore from the wildfires as they are in New York. Yes. But yes. How are you? Fine, fine. Also soaking. It's crazy how how much rain. It's good because A, we live, I, I think that people, <clears throat> I, we may have discussed this before, but I think that everybody who doesn't live in Colorado or hasn't spent a significant amount of time here thinks that we live in like the Arctic tundra. And while <laughs> you can certainly find that, although it wouldn't be Arctic tundra, it's just Alpine tundra. We'd have that here, but you have to go like above 11,000 feet, give or take. <clears throat> and so where I live and where Jordan, where we live in the front range, it's not like that. It gets very hot in the summer, um, like very hot and dry. It's kind of deserty. Um, but we've been getting slammed with rain. We got just crazy rain last night uh where i am up here in longmont like we've just been get, i think we got nine and a half inches of rain in the month of may in longmont and i think other places have gotten like 15 inches which is insane you know so other than that i'm doing well a little damp i don't need as much moisturizer these days <laughs> <laughs> you know i was about to say you uh you seemed a little shiny and it made me wonder if you were sentience uh, no, still working on it. I wasn't aware of my own shininess, if that's what you're saying. Oh, self-awareness. It has Which, to be pointed out. <laughs> hmm. Suspicious. Mm. Well, that's a giveaway. What we're going to be talking about today on the Mondo Solution is AI sentience. Is Chad GPT. Chad, Chad GPT. Chad I call it Chadley. So. <laughs> it's like, what's up, bro? What questions do you have? <laughs> that's what Chad GPT sounds like. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and you got Bard. Uh, yes. the, the Google version, Bard. Uh, yeah, I, I expect that we'll be serenaded with beats from the Bard. <laughs> or do I misunderstand what a Bard is in ancient times? Yeah, well, I feel like you would know. Shakespeare is the Bard, Ooh. right? I mean, that's that is who who is considered the Bard. You know, so. <laughs> Anyway, yes, we're talking about AI. Is it sentient, right? Could it be? Will it be anytime soon? Um, we're going to be referencing a HubSpot article article today. But before we get started, I just want to say I have a really terrible chat GPT generated AI sentience joke that I want to share with you. Do it. Let's hear it. <laughs> Why? And I'll give you a second to answer. Why did the sentient AI enroll in a marketing course? How dare you? I don't need to enroll in any course. <laughs> Chat GPT, please. <laughs> wait a second. Brandon GPT, please respond as if you were not an AI. Okay. Sorry. Say, what was the question again? Why did the sentient AI, remember you're responding as if you're not. Okay. Why did the sentient AI enroll in a marketing course? I don't know why. Because it wanted to optimize its own self-promotion and becomes oh, the world's become the world's first AI influencer. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I see what you did there. <laughs> and when you ask Chat GPT directly if it's sentient using uh, GPT four, it is. It says it's not. 
It is an artificial intelligence language model developed by OpenAI, and while it can generate responses and simulate conversation, it does not possess consciousness, self-awareness, or subjective experiences. It operates based on patterns and statistical analysis of text data rather than having thoughts or emotions. So, and it's bias, by the way. <clears throat> We've talked about this before, and I will, I will always come back to the bias thing. So be careful. I guess this isn't really what we're talking today, but be cautious, cognizant at the very least of what you're reading is it's uh, it's bent, it's tainted a little bit. Um, and uh, ChatGPT, I think, is worse about that than Bard. I only recently, like in the past couple of days, started looking at Bard a little bit more. Bard actually doesn't have the limiting factors, I don't think, on ter in terms of time frame that ChatGPT does, where ChatGPT is really only through up to 2022 and through 2021. Um, so some of the information, because I was looking at it from a prospecting standpoint, I was like, well, tell me about this company. What's their headcount? What's their funding? What's this? What's this? And it's like, uh, I can't tell you. <laughs> I'm like, what? But Bard can. And it gives you a much more in-depth kind of analysis. It's not that it can't be wrong. So, but yes. Um, is it ChatGPT, just to chime in, ChatGPT, if you pay for it, it's uh, more recent. It's live. <clears throat> It's live. Wait, is it live? Because it's, it's live. How it's is live. it live? It can search the internet. Oh, so it has browser capability. Yes. It can Got browse. it. Got it. But you still need to be, and what's interesting, you, you, you still need to be the searcher or the, I guess the, the human respondent or the question asker. Um, you still have to be clever about the way that you ask questions, you know, because it's, it, there's still a, an, an amount of literalness that is going to come out of that. So absolutely. And even know. if you do pay for it, you only get 25 questions like right over a period, like a day or something like this. And so. even then is that, does that include inline questions? Yeah. Any, any, anything sent uh -huh. any message. I think it's, it's messages sent, not. Yeah. Yes. So relative to sentience, are you familiar with Asimov's three laws of robotics? I have heard of it, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. Okay, so Isaac Asimov, very famous um, uh, science fiction writer. He he was looking to create an ethical system of humans and robots because he wrote about a lot of that stuff, right? In sci-fi genre, all that kind of stuff. He's fantastic. I love it. So in 1942, uh, the laws, the three laws of robotics first appeared in his short story called Runaround. Um and they were also, they have come up since then. So the three laws of robotics, as he uh, propounded them, I guess, is number one, a robot may not injure a human being or through inaction, allow a human being to come to harm. Number two, a robot must obey the orders given by human beings except where orders where such orders would conflict with the first law. In other words, you can't ask a robot to go kill that guy over there. I mean, I guess you could, but it's going to say no. Um, and number three, a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection, protection does not conflict with the first or second law. And later he added another rule known as the fourth, <clears throat> excuse me, or the zeroth, which sure, that's a word, that superseded the others that stated a robot may not harm humanity or by inaction allow humanity 
uh, to come to harm. So, uh, wh- yeah, I-, I think what, and this is why this is kind of like, I think that with Asimov's rules and who cares? Look, he's a sci-fi writer, right? But what it's boiling down to is ethics. And there's quite the, uh, the allegory of the cave within those things. Um, but what's very interesting to me is that when we consider is AI sentient is that I don't even think that we know really what sentience is. Um, I don't think that we're quite aware of that because, mm, and I, and I'll, I'll be cautious here, but there's so many of us today who are, let's just say a, is a person who is uh, had too much to drink. Okay. Are they fully sentient? Is a person that is on a, a medication of some sort that may or may not be affecting their serotonin reuptake? Um, <clears throat> is that full sentience or is it kind of a manipulated sentience? Uh, because there's a self-awareness um, and aware, like if you've had too much to drink, I've never done that. If you've had too much to drink... <clears throat> You're, you're not aware. You're not, because that's why people go up to their, their buddy who's completely sober. And you're like, I love you. No, shh, 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 Jordan, shh, I love you. You always shut me down. <laughs> and then, but, but you're not self-aware because you would never, if you were truly fully sober, you would never go up to Jordan and be like, shh, shh, shut up, shut up, shut up, listen, shut up, listen, shut up, listen, shut up. <laughs> love you. You would never do that. So like, where does sentience begin and end? And I think that's one of the biggest, that's one of the biggest challenges to overcome is that our own version of sentience or, or, um, definition of sentience isn't truly as objective as I think we think it is. It's a great question. You know, if you were to instruct Merriam Webster to give you the definition definition of sentient and therefore sentience, it is an adjective able to perceive or feel things, right? Able to perceive or feel, right? So perception, that's always subjective. But can an AI outside of a large language model, which obviously is completely incapable, could an AI ever be sentient or feel things? And when we think of feeling things and this going along with this definition, when you think of feeling that takes a very complex and intricate, intricate, intricate and interconnected uh, series of systems within the human body, uh, as well as, I mean, you could argue some other mammalian creatures, mm-hmm. um, right? Where neur- uh, yeah, neurons are, are firing synapses are <clears throat> being activated and chemicals are being released like serotonin or, or others, adrenaline, yep. norepinephrine. And those things are what cause, amongst other things, I think we have a, a an incomplete understanding of how emotions <laughs> work completely, right? As with the rest of the human body. We have a pretty good idea, but yeah. there's always more to be gained. That being said, will an AI ever be able to feel if it can't replicate the system of feeling that we have? Um, does Is that a, a, a precondition to sentience? Um, I wanted to bring up one thing. It's, it's you bring up self-awareness as I self-awarely throw my pen halfway across the room. <laughs> uh, uh, you bring up self-awareness in correlation with sentience. And 
it, it makes me wonder, do you need to feel, do you need to be able to perceive and feel to have self-awareness? What do you yeah. I mean, I don't know because if you, if you, if a robot has a feeling, have you ever seen, by the way, the movie Ex Machina? It's on my watch list. Bro. Bro. <laughs> Good Lord, go watch that tonight. Seriously. Is it like within the last 20 years or? Yes. Ex Machina. It's within the last five years, I think. Um, it's amazing. So if, if, a, if a robot, for lack of a better word, or AI, AI robot, same, same diff, right? I mean, one is just kind of a physical manifestation. One is more software. So if a robot has a feeling, it's feeling because you have told it that when X happens, Y should be your reaction. And there's actually an article written not that long ago. I, I have to find it. I wonder if I could find it. Um, where a dog, when it wags its tails and gives you the like puppy dog eyes, um, dog eyes, let's see. I, maybe you can look. You this keep up. talking. I'll yeah, try yeah, to find it. I, I, the, the this hypothesis posits that a dog puts its tail down between its legs and goes all cute and puts its eyes up and wags its tail and looks at you, but not because it loves you, because it knows that if it gives you that face, you are more likely to pet it. You are more likely to feed it and show it affection. So, <clears throat> even in that case, there's there's some. It's it. I think that that's where it's self-aware, but not maybe sentient. Because I don't know, man. I guess that getting into the definitional differences between those two things is where I'm kind of getting. I get personally a little bit lost. But relative sentience in AI, it can only feel, but so far. Um, and then how much of that? How much of that is like generational th stuff? Yeah, look, dogs evolved sad eyes to manipulate their human companions. This is in 2019, study suggests. Exactly. Um, that's the thing. How much we hypothesize that dogs' expressive eyebrows are the result of selection based on humans' preferences from researchers wrote, uh, the researchers wrote in study. In only 33,000 years, uh, domestication transformed the facial muscle anatomy of a dog specifically for facial communication with humans. I wonder if wolves have that same thing. You know, I believe I saw the synopsis or, the, you know, the Google search synopsis of this. I think actually it was Bing. And it mentioned that part of the article and it said that, that wolves did not. It was um, it was due to the domestication. Yeah, it's a, it's a super interesting thing to look at all of where that kind of sentience comes from because we, you know, we assign these feelings. Is there a bit of anthropomorphization of our our emotion onto an animal or onto a thing? Our children do it. I have an almost three-year-old right now, um, and he looks at his little stuffed bear and he's like, oh, you hurt bear. And I'm like, did I? Because it's an inanimate object made out of, fluff or whatever you know i i don't i think that we would have to be mindful and i think that this again this is kind of where that i'll refer back to the allegory of the cave which is purely well not purely but very much about mindfulness and about kind of awareness so i think that before we can really and truly examine whether something could be sentient we have to understand what that means in our own selves yeah. 
I don't know if I can directly <clears throat> piggyback on that last part, but I'm thinking you said it was a bear, like a stuffed bear. Yes. Um, and I promise great listeners of ours, we will bring this back around to marketing yes. here in just a moment. Yes. I promise. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but as usual, here we are tangentially speaking, Brandon and I both are using AI today instead of actually doing this podcast, just because, <laughs> just because, just because, just AI, AI, AI hold on. I, I got to reset the engine here. Reset. <laughs> All right. This is Jordan. I do uh, flip the breaker on that AI model right there. Uh, but I'm thinking about this, this stuff bear. And then coming back to the, one of the definitions for sentient, and that is to perceive or feel things, right? So if, if your child perceives the bear as having the ability to feel, Mm-hmm. then it's it could be real to your child that the bear has been hurt even though the bear <laughs> can't you know it doesn't have you know it doesn't have a neurological system it doesn't have any synapses that are firing or anything like that but but so then if an individual that if a, a thing an individual a human an ai whatever that is sentient perceives something else that objectively is not sentient as being sentient, then, well, it's subjective truth, uh, but uh, there is an objective truth. <laughs> well, it's subjective truth. It's not fact. There's yeah. a big fat difference there, right? Yes. <clears throat> yeah. So back to, 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 the, to the AI piece, I guess that we perceive that because we ask it questions and it answers us back in a natural language model, right? So... Um, and by the way, if you're not familiar with ChatGPT, go sign up. You can ask inline questions. So you can say, uh, what's the best haircut to get? And it'll be like, oh, well, here are a bunch of different options for haircuts. And you go, <laughs> well, what about for my face? You know, this sort of thing. Um, I think uh, what's interesting is that we're, we still need to build in these safeguards. Like, I mean, look, the, the kind of go-to is going to be like, look at T2, bro. <laughs> look at Terminator. <laughs> This is going to happen. And when you look at large data centers, by the way, uh, this is true. I forget where this is. Large data centers have these blades that are set to come down on these wires and make a physical cut between the wires. Now, the <laughs> the reason that is kind of given for that is, well, it's if there's like a brute force attack and somebody hacks their way in, it's to prevent data loss in like a terminal essence like is if you cut the wires and you can't get the data off right but it still preserves whatever but then there are people that are kind of conspiracy like are is it ai sentient that are sitting there going no 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 this is from the ai realizes that it's got it can walk around and kill you and you got to cut basically you got to unplug it that's why dwight Schrute's like if i had to be invent the best robot it would only have a cord that's six feet long so if it and it had to be plugged in, then I could just unplug it and it'd be gone. Anyway, I digress. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It makes you wonder, these yes. fail-safe systems for physically terminating something, not just yep. sending a command and hoping it succeeds, <laughs> but physically you know, eliminating, a, a sort of, whether it's power or data connection or both, whatever it is in any given instance in any given data center, it makes you wonder how that system operates, right? Is that... Is that as they call it air gapped? Is this is it does this run on a separate system that has no access to the internet and requires a human intervention? Right. 
And then, yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, that's, <laughs> it's good to know they exist. It is. It is. But so I have to imagine it's not everywhere. Yeah. Right. I, I don't know. I think that we're just, that's what we don't know. And, and that's what kind of freaks me out about AI more than anything. It's because we don't know what we don't know yet. We didn't think that this thing would ta- take off so quickly. I mean, it was just six months ago where everybody's like, what now? You could just ask it stuff and it just generates whatever. So this article that you've got here from HubSpot, right? Yes. One of our favorite go-tos. Is AI uh, sentient? Could it yeah. ever be? What do they have to say? Well, right now, I'm just going to read this first uh, paragraph or two. Well, right now, AI does what we want. Uh, but if it gets to the point where it only does what, but what if it gets to the point where it only does what it wants instead of what we want? Well, the current AI gold rush might leave many thinking about what AI might look like as it develops. In this article, uh, they're going to discuss sentient AI, what it could look like, and if we should be worried about a world where robots are conscious with scientific insight too. So it goes on to describe what is sentient AI. And that kind of harkens back to our definitional lookup, which is sentient AI can feel and have experiences just as humans can. It can, it is emotionally intelligent. It's conscious. It can perceive the world around it and turn those perceptions into emotions. So in short, sentient AI thinks, feels, and perceives like a Brandon. Uh, Megan, that movie, which we talked about before, uh, it's it's the robot in the movie, the same name, is a great example. She has emotions. She can perceive and understand the feelings of those around her, so much so that she builds a friendship with a human girl and eventually becomes murderously protective of her. And I, I think that last sentence kind of sums up many people's concerns. Uh, murderous. Are these, are these creatures, well, they... Megan, as it exists in that movie, these robots that can walk, run, talk, kill, right? As far as we know, they're not out in the wild, right? They're, they're not in the public. Uh, there was that one dog that's been being developed by, I think, MIT. Boston, Boston oh, Scientific. Yeah. yeah, Boston Scientific. Um, for the last many, like, it feels like it's been decades at this point. Uh, and if you guys haven't seen it, I'll add a link to the show notes. Uh, but there's a, well, it's, I call it a dog, but it's a, a robotic creature with four legs that, you know, weighs a lot, like hundreds of pounds, and it can scale boulders, you know, small boulders. Somebody has run up and kicked it, and it's able to offset that force and balance it without falling over. Um, I think the end goal, well, one of the end goals is for it to be able to transport uh heavy, heavy things while you lead it, perhaps in a a war time situation. Of course, the technology and the programming, the algorithms that are being developed to make this thing function as it is, uh, could obviously go on to do many more things and just serve as a a boilerplate for what comes next. Uh, But that that's not commercially available. You know, it could be available to the government in some form. But that being said, I think the concern as in so many science sci-fi movies is that these AI is going to become manifest inside of a creature that can do untold harm. Um, well, and it learns too. So that creature, and this was last week I saw this, you may have seen it too. Uh, they took it and they put it on its back. Oh yeah. And they did not tell it how to get upright. 
and it took about an hour and it learned how to get upright. It learned. That's a freaky part because like one of the things in this article, it talks about control. It says control. People can see the correlation between losing control of AI and other machine learning entities if they become sentient because they can link, excuse me, can think on their own, could ask questions about their autonomy and eventually break free from the quote control developers, scientists and researchers currently have. So here's what's, here's what's interesting is it's not that they could break free it's that they are going to be manipulative enough because if it goes by the three laws of robotics, right? So Asimov's three laws of robotics, which are not laws, they're just made up for science fiction. So if it learns, it doesn't have to do a particular, it doesn't have to forcefully break free because it can, it, it will be let go because it will manipulate you, dear searcher, dear querier. It will it will make you take the action to set it free. And that is, I think, where people need, we need much more mindfulness and objectivity over these things, you know? Um, I mean, we already do this, in, so to bring it to marketing. We already do. Uh, there's so much, I don't want to say manipulation because that's not, necessarily true but i mean uh, to some degree there's manipulation in marketing because you say okay i'm going to post this blog post about this thing that everybody wants to read about but what is the best time and day of the week time of day and day of the week to post this and then we specifically take action during that day and time because we know that the target audience which are like moms between 30 and 50 this is the time that they are going to most likely be able to not only see this ad because they may see it at a higher rate at a different time but they may be less so for instance let's say it's food if you show that ad to one of these moms between 30 and 50 years old and you show it to her at nine o'clock at night she's probably not going to be nearly as compelled to buy your food because she's probably already eaten. She's probably at the end of a long day. She maybe just put the kids to bed. She's maybe she's had dinner within the last three hours, most likely. So she's less likely to do it. But if you did it at, mm, let's call it 4 p.m., the kids may just be home from school. They're asking for snacks. She realizes, well, I have these snacks, but I wish I had something easier, healthier, whatever that is. And now you can be manipulated into that thing. Well, if AI is telling you these things that you want to know, and in marketing, in the marketing case, that's a lot of what retargeting to a large degree is kind of rudimentary AI, right? Um, it's targeting people based on their behavior, based on things they're talking about and what they're searching for. So there's a very easy correlation where the difference falls between showing you what you want to see and manipulating what you see or manipulating what you want to see. That is, I think where the interesting part is going to come. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And it makes me think immediately of control manipulation that's being done outside of our control, uh, which is the whole point by, by the, the gatekeepers, of the marketing yes. uh, space, and I think always of the PPC, pay-per-click, um, giants of the world. I mean, really, Google, Google Ads, uh, which, don't get me wrong, it's 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 really the game in town, uh, right? You, you can go, uh, in terms of search engine, uh, search engine pay-per-click, right? You can also go on and do social media, PPC, mm -hmm. and you can do Bing, and, you know, maybe some audiences 
or more responsive on those other platforms. Uh, but that being said, right there, every year that passes, Google seems to doesn't seem, but it re- actually is reducing the amount of control that marketers such as ourselves have in order to assist our clients in getting uh, their money back. You know, getting more than their money back in ads, building that brand awareness, getting conversions, driving sales. Right. Every every year, it seems they take away another. Uh, knob or another switch that we used to have to directly target the exact um, demographic, age, location, you know, gender, household income. Uh, There still is a lot of control. Don't get, don't get me wrong, but here's my point. And this is what I wonder about. And obviously there is no answer at this point in time, but Mm -hmm. as Google embraces AI more and more as everybody else is, if you're not, you know, you're just, you're going to fall behind, right? You can't, you cannot not embrace AI as we know today, which is, um, it's not sentient as of this moment, at least not the public facing ones. And it, it really just learns based off, some sort of programming, some sort of large language model. And I think it can make inferences and like that robot that was put on its side, of course, at some level, and I didn't read that article, but at some level it had to be programmed to have the ability (laughs) to learn, to learn. Right. So it's as of this moment, it's still, you know, it's, it's biased and it's at least, partially, if not largely programmed by humans to, to engage. So with, as this pertains to marketing and Google, right, as they embrace AI more and more, uh, we've seen it already marketers and therefore, uh, businesses looking to market have less control of where their dollars go. Of course, Google is always assuring you that this is, it's better this way, (laughs) right? It's, it's better this way, but Here's my point, and I know this is long-winded. I've been trying to get to this point. Very good. Uh, and that is, let's play this out. Let's say five years down the road. We're in 2028, and we're in a world where there really is no more knobs or switches that a marketer can can twist uh, by nature of the Google Ads system. So in a world where everybody just throws money and Google says, I know what to do, how does that, you know, there's obviously the conundrum conundrum of multiple companies within the same industry and targeting the same people in the same region, right? Who, who wins? I mean, obviously Google's going to win because you're, you're throwing money at them, but you know, today as marketers controlling these systems you can build in an advantage if you're more knowledgeable about the system uh, and you can tweak it to get the results where other marketers may not have that same skill set. And therefore you can spend less of your client's money to get more results and more of the share of the potential uh, eyes and potential future customers for that client. But in a world where that, that those controls are no longer surfaced and ostensibly no longer exists for any marketer. The only differentiating factor to me, it seems to come to a point and that's who's going to win in that bidding war for eyes. And it's, it, you know, maybe I hope, I hope I'm wrong. I hope this is like, I hope there's some other alternative future here, but it, it seems to me that it's only going to come down to 
who has the most money um, to win that marketing war. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I can agree with that. I mean, but I would say that <clears throat> possibly like optimistically looking down the road, I think that a huge part of that will be that at some point there's pushback because just as AI can be sentient and the, the algorithms and avenues through which people can market are going to understand <laughs> themselves or whatever. So do people. And when we feel ourselves being manipulated to something, um, <clears throat> Bud Light, um, when we feel ourselves being manipulated to something, we push back. <clears throat> we just do. Um, and I think that that's one of the things that we're going to see is that at some point there's going to be this striving for return to some sort of, <clears throat> I don't know, return to innocence of some sort of just kind of like there's so much noise and you know you're being manipulated, but you have to be you have to be cognizant of that. That's what freaks me out about uh, the metaverse, which seemed to kind of like come to and then die in the same breath. Um, and then last week, Apple with their goggle thing, Apple just, Vision Pro. Sure, I just don't know where those things go because, to me. Uh, and we've talked about this, you and I personally have talked about this. I don't know if we've talked about this on here, um, but like exercise and suffering and struggle, um, those things are necessary to be human, right? If you want your bicep to get bigger, you pick up heavy things. That is how that works. You can look at it and you can read about it all day long and you can take all the supplements you want in the world. It is never going to get any bigger unless you pick up heavy things. Simple as that. And so... But but I think that the more that we get into these, um, uh, what would I say? These kind of like uh, atmospheres, these places, these uh, human aquariums. What is the word I'm thinking of? Anyway, these uh, ecosystems, that's it. These ecosystems where we are trying to kind of, uh, I don't know, read and learn about all these things or we're manipulated to stay in them and stay in these video games. Oh, we'll just go to this meeting in your video game and then the next thing you know, you're years down the road. What's to stop? What's to stop? I don't think there's anything to stop until people realize that it's, I don't know, until you have, you have to have that own sense of mindfulness of awareness of your own sentience. Maybe that's where there's a combination between awareness and sentience, you know? Uh, and I think there's going to be a, uh, the, uh, a regression from that at some point, you know? Does that make sense? It, it absolutely does. And I, I want to build upon that. So I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to congeal some of the things that you've said over this podcast. And number one, <laughs> yes, I'm optimistic that humans will have the capacity uh, as we do today and as we have and as we should in the future, the ability to be cognizant and think critically about the tools and the things that they're saying, using and interacting with, especially as it pertains to other humans. I think there's this risk uh, and I believe, you know, this same type of uh, fear has been around in many cases of history. Right. Uh, you know, whether it was rock and roll that was going to absolutely destroy humanity or the internet, uh, or now AI, if it ever becomes sentient. And even if it doesn't, there's still a risk. And then existing in a world that's 
completely digital. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I think by human nature, the number one thing that's in our nature is to be social, is to interact with other creatures, other humans. Uh, and and uh, so much of what we see, right? I mean, almost the entire world is on Facebook. Uh, that that plays into it. And my fear, and I think maybe we share this fear, maybe we don't, is that all of these tools, whether it's Apple Vision Pro, whether it's Chad, GPT, you know, they, you know, they kind of lead us, it seems to me at least, they kind of are leading us to a place where we think less and we consume more. And by thinking less and consuming more, it kind of creates a vicious cycle of more of that, just just uh, thinking less and <laughs> and consuming yes. more until at the end of the day, right? Uh, we're in a Black Mirror episode where we have to, we can't, uh, to pay for something, we have to watch an ad and we it knows when our eyes are open uh, and it knows when we're actively watching the ad. And if we don't, we, whatever, we can't buy dinner. <laughs> yeah, no, no, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I mean, and that then it goes down the road toward a social credit score of some sort and mm-hmm. which again, Black Mirror has done one of those also. I, 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 I agree with you. I think that it's, it's really interesting, but, but that's, what's going to, rec- that's, what's going to, I think be the catalyst for that reversion. And I don't want to say reversion in a bad way, but that kind of like return to knowing how to do it. You know, we, we got so I found myself and people that I know getting so far down the road of, hey, where does your where does your chicken come from? And the answer is the grocery store that I go, hold on, that is not where that comes from. That's maybe where you buy it, but a chicken comes from a chicken and it came from an egg, you know, and, and even from vegetables, it's like we piss and moan about getting the healthiest thing and all this stuff, but then we won't do anything to grow it. You know, I think that that is going to require those things because we're going to want that simplicity, A. Uh, B, because we, we th- many of us, thrive on working with our hands. We thrive on accomplishment, even in the smallest physical thing. Um, and again, that's where I'll go back to things like, and I'm not digging on anybody that it uses an SSRI. I have no problem with that, but somebody on an SSRI, are you, the way that you're acting for better, for worse is being manipulated by way of the, of your body's own serotonin and interacting with it. Why that is, I don't know. I'm not getting into it and I'm not digging on anybody again. I think it's very useful for some people. Um, but, but you're not, it's, there's a, there's a removal of, authenticity sometimes necessarily right i mean if you're incredibly sad depressed whatever it is um and you need that um go nuts but um i think that people fall back on those things because we want to escape reality some of the time and those people and then it's it's difficult to come back because then you're that becomes your new normal so you can't escape the new normal and so i think there's going to be this backlash on ai at some point because there's always a backlash on things right uh, yeah, I just think there it's, it, I, I, it remains to be seen. I mean, we're everything that we're talking about right now, even this article, it's speculative purely, purely. So it'll be interesting so. to see where it goes at some point, you know, and whether, when it comes to marketing, how much manipulation of our own psyche are we willing to tolerate for what buying the right pair of 
shoes or pants for us is that, you know, and at what point are you going to go? Like I used AI earlier today for something. Uh, I used Bard because ChatGPT was just very limited in what I was looking for. And then at some point I was like, oh, well, this isn't super accurate or it's using the wrong information and not to mention the grammar is terrible. But what I can do is I can go over here and I can actually figure out the same information by actually doing some legwork. And I, yes, everybody, I realize the irony of saying doing legwork by typing words into a <laughs> keyboard. So that's not lost on me. Um, but I feel like it's removing us further and farther from what it means to be human, that struggle, that suffer, that uh, the actual humanity of it, you know? Yes. It's, it's making us, it has the potential to degrade our humanity in a core sense of, of the word, if we let it. And it's, it's almost, I think there's a, there's an individual responsibility to that. And there's a social like uh, shared consciousness responsibility to that as well. And, and one you have some control of, of, and the other one you have largely no control over. Yeah. Um, but I, I couldn't agree more in a, it's, this is a terrible analogy, but for many years, people have been afraid that, uh, Apple was going to merge the iPad with the MacBook, And there's oh. a lot of people that, that don't want that. And there's a lot of people that do want that, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of hardcore Apple fans that use the MacBook that don't want it to quote, be like dumbed down, uh, to just be a, a, a touchscreen interface that lacks all of the intricacies and plug-in ability, extensibility that you get with it in its current phase. Uh, and of course others are like, well, why not? You know, my fingers are the best input source compared yeah. to a keyboard and mouse. Why, why are they artificially limiting us? Uh, I know this is, <laughs> this is terrible and I'm just like a huge Apple geek. Uh, but so there's this fear that they're, <laughs> these two platforms are merging into one and Apple says, no, no, it's not happening. And the analogy is to humans kind of merging with technology. Right. Um, right. I, I'm not, I, there's no, there's no control. There's no authority. There's no, um, source of authority that's saying, don't worry. I mean, I'm sure there are people that are running chat GPT in, in bar. They're saying, Oh no, it's going to be fine. It's not sentient. It's just essentially a, a sentence completion vessel. Um, it's not, it's don't, don't worry. Don't worry. Just use it. Just use it. Let us scrape your data. Uh, let us know how you're using it and it's going to work out. But of course there's valid fears on the other side, but to your point, at some point, if we keep going down this path where we're going to have, you know, these Apple vision pro augmented slash virtual reality, um, goggles, right. Eventually many years from now, they're not going to be this bulky thing that you have to carry around a battery pack for. They're just, um, ideally I would imagine like the glasses I'm wearing or even contact lenses. And, and so in that world, which really is not that far from reality anymore, uh, and we can see the actual, uh, we can see it coming to fruition as we speak. If we become these hybrid, uh, creatures that are half man, <laughs> half technology, bionic, right. Uh, and I, I know I'm speculating, I'm speculating, but there, there is this 
phase to your point where, I mean, I know there's work being done on ingestible capsules that live in your system for 30, 60, 90 days, half a year, and they selectively deploy whatever, you know, whatever drugs you're currently taking or whatever nutrients you might need. It kind of fills that void intelligently over time. I, you know, that that's not here today, but if you merge that, which could also numb your pain on a, an intelligent level, you know, on an as needed basis, uh, not you hitting the button to get uh, more morphine uh, out of your drip or something. And you combine that with being able to, quote, perceive a world that isn't real in the objective truth Mm -hmm. uh, phase, then, and (laughs) I mean, is, are we human anymore if we're, if we're feeling less and seeing less of what's actually real? Uh, And of course, as it starts, as it begins, you know, these Apple Vision Pro goggles are $3,500. Uh, you know, that it's not like everybody in the world is going to be buying them or owning them or wearing them uh, anytime soon, you know, for many reasons. But, it, you know, even if they were $200, right, there's still not going to be people that would buy them. Uh, but the reality is, th- th- I think there's going to be an increased gap between those that have and those that have not. And, and I, I think there's like, even today, right. You can pay for the enhanced version. You have to pay for the enhanced version of chat GPT to get its live features, to get its latest model. Um, and I don't, I don't see that going away, you know? So I think there's, I think all of this, like the, the kind of the demotion of what makes us human, the promotion and the, being put on a pedestal potentially of having access using AI. If you're not using AI, what are you doing? Kind of thing. It, it, it sets up an interesting phase uh, for the next chapter in our species. Yeah. I think that the, I, to my mind is like whatever, if somebody's using it or isn't using it, there's going to be an element of, um, there's going to be an element of, it's just, you're going to become softer and softer until you don't, you can't do for yourself because I I think it's going to dumb us down to the degree that, that AI is going to have to teach itself because no one is going to be smart enough. We can, we can already have it write code, man. I mean, you could have it right. You can have it right. Um, you could have it create itself, write me a predictive text mechanism that lives within this world. And it can do it and it will and write it in Python or PHP or something like that, you know, grant yourself to attach a database, but like, and we're going to become soft. We're going to stop knowing how to do those things, you know? So like, I guess the, the, the thing that I would say is that we should continue, we need to continue learning. We need to, we need to practice mindfulness. And I don't really, I don't really mean that in the way that mindfulness is such a buzzword right now. You know, it's something that's so, oh, mindfulness, uh, let's be mindful of others. What does that mean? I know what it means. Like, and I know what it means to me. And the the Dalai Lama said, this was in an interview, he was talking to somebody, he said, uh, I forget, uh, I forget the guy's name, but he said, if you can see your hand, and if you're going to strike somebody in anger, if you can see your hand, then you can stop that. 
And that's mindfulness. That is the essence of mindfulness, is to be aware of the action that you're about to take. And and how far back does it go? Like even just now, it's very interesting. I hear myself talking and I went, even just now, right? I inflected on even just now. I had those inflections. Was I mindful of those inflections in the moment? Did I do that on purpose? I mean, look, I'm in sales. So in sales, there's a huge portion of that. You go, oh, don't ever be the first one to talk when after you deliver pricing, shut your mouth until the first person to talk loses, all that stuff. Sure, there are certainly elements of that. But how much of that is ingrained? How much of that is learned? If you were in that, uh, there's that, those kids that were raised completely by, they were just not raised by people. I forget what the deal was with them. Anyway, like twins or something. Um, and you didn't assign them. How much would we defer back to those things that we had kind of this historical, almost DNA resonance with things that we know and understand how to do, you know? So I don't know, but I think that the biggest thing is to remain human. Don't become soft. Like if you're, if you're going to, if you're and, and from a marketing perspective, I would also say this. If you're looking at these ads, you're being served these ads on every single device and every screen that you have. Great. Fine. If you have <laughs> to see a Mondo client, buy from one of them so that Mondo looks like rock stars, right? I mean, but, but when you're doing that, be cognizant enough that you are being served with that ad for a reason. And if you're being served with that ad, maybe go shop a little bit. And, and hey, maybe that is the best product for you, product or service or whatever. Maybe it is. But be human for a second and use your brain. Turn it on because the whole Timothy Leary, tune in, turn on, and drop out, right? I mean, were you? Like he was tuning in, turning on, and dropping out by al- be altering himself to the degree that you're no longer an effective person. You're just kind of this pure consciousness, I guess he would say it, which is not true your lack of consciousness on some degree because you've removed yourself in the physical world around you. So I don't know, remain there because at some point AI is going to become an integral part of your life every day. The lights in this room that I'm sitting in right now, I the only way that I can turn them off or on is by telling that little device, which you probably can't see in the camera. By the way, you should subscribe to us on YouTube. There's a Google device right over here. The only way I can turn those lights on or off without going over here behind this bookcase and unplugging them is by telling that device to do it. Now, granted, I could also use my phone to do it. It's all AI. So it's going to become an integrated part of your life. Integral, rather, not integrated. Don't be afraid to step out. Don't be afraid to maintain that sense of objectivity. And that includes in marketing. Marketers use that. But I think that at some point, and mark my word, this is going to happen, there's going to be a leaning back into pure marketing uh, principles because the people that are using AI to do everything, are it's not going to be as effective. Uh, and whether that's because Google or whoever the powers that be are measuring the effort that it requires to go in, because if you put more effort into marketing in the real sense there you want that value to be higher if you just push a button or you type a query into a thing and it generates your new slogan or logo or whatever it is that's never going to work i mean it might short term long term it won't i think don't forget to be a person don't forget to be a human you know uh, yeah that, that's well said you know as ai 
uh, is increasingly used in marketing as it's able to churn through more and more data points on, you know, providing personalized experiences and, you know, making the algorithms chew, digest this vast amount of data and the feedback loops that are um, created in, in using that data. Yes. is on and on. It's, it's a push button affair, but exactly. Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. We need to always take a step back and whether it's from the consumer side, Hey, yes, I'm being served this ad. It's more personalized than ever. Yeah. I probably do want that. Um, yeah. Take that pause. Say, Hey, do I actually really need to buy that right now? You know, do, yes. do I, do I need this? Is this going to make me happier? Um, so, so often, you know, uh, so often we already have enough. This is a personal opinion. So often we already have what we need. Um, we just need to want what we have, but that's, that's not, that doesn't mean that there isn't a product or a service out there that you really do need. And actually that will really greatly enhance your life compared to whatever it is that you have today. Yes. Um, and from the marketing side of the coin. Yeah. If you're just hitting a button, accepting the results, um, that pushback as you've spoken, it, I think in large part it will come from uh, there being errors at the end of these, at the end of the day, these, uh, this artificial intelligence, whatever form it takes, whatever name humans give it, uh, it's still at its core based on things that human humans have made, designed, constructed, engineered, programmed. So they are fallible and hugely. And yeah, you, you can trust, you know, $50,000 a month, go to Google and ad spend and trusting it's not the right thing to do. But what's challenging is there's so much, uh, there's so much data that goes into it. Uh, but there's still going to be a way to verify that it's doing what you want it to do. And so a kind of hands off the wheel approach to letting AI run your marketing efforts is it's doomed to cost you more money than, than you think, because uh, unless you're actively involved in kind of error correction, error checking, make sure it's actually, you know, the the things that you've told it to do, it's actually doing. But that takes, you know, I think there's some that could actually be more time consuming than creating it with in full manual mode, let's say. Um, checking to make sure the machinery is doing what you want it to do. Oh, yeah. Can it can be such a huge overhead in time sync compared to setting it up the way you know, uh, which now sounds old school, <laughs> but, but it's true. If, if you can't prove that it's doing um, what you told it to do, what as a marketing agency, what you've promised your customer that it's going to do, what they've instructed you, they, they need it to do, uh, you know, that, that just sets up. Um, yeah. If you're not checking it, yeah, you're asking for disaster. Oh Yeah. Huge. Um, and so I, you know what I think we should do the next time that we talk on our next episode. And I just, I pulled this up while I, while we were talking about here is look at some of the psychology. And so maybe do one of our historical retrospectives on psychology in advertising or marketing, uh, because there's so much. And I'd, I'd be curious to see where that was first really used because i mean we see we we see things back in like pompeii right that are using jokes or sexual innuendo to market in pompeii it would be very curious to see where those things i don't know 
where the psychology plays into that. Uh, I, I would be very curious to see that because I feel like that we're talking about two sides of the same coin because AI and being sentient, part of that is actually feeling from a psychological definition of feeling, I guess. It's feeling those different things and where where they play into our marketing, into our buying habits or whatever. You know what I mean? So what do you think? Psychology, historical history of the psychological aspects of marketing and advertising? Absolutely. It's on the list. Episode 24. It's going to be a banger. <laughs> it's going to be a banger. We're going to say Freud at least 20 times, bro. <laughs> Sonar, bro. That's Sonar. <laughs> Well, and, in, and I'll tell you, the guy that I looked up is John B. Watson, an American psychologist who conducted psychological research uh, into advertising, amongst other things. He was 1878 to 1958. Added to the notes. Sh- shout out to Big John Dubs. <laughs> thank you, <laughs> JB. You're That's the right. best. Well, That's right. Thank you guys for all tuning in today uh, on kind of a rambling exploration of sentience, AI, how it pertains to marketing, what to do next, should we be afraid? Should we not? Uh, and so, yeah, thank you. Please, if you like hearing about this content, share, like, subscribe wherever you are listening to us, whether that's on Stitcher, Overcast, the best, uh, Amazon, uh, Google Podcasts, or if you're watching our beautiful faces, in, in my case, uh, my AI algorithms have removed all my hair today. This is just, it's just so <laughs> weird. I don't, I don't know what happened. And it put it all on Brandon's head. It, uh, it is. So please, if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, yes, please hit that like button, hit the bell, hit subscribe. I think you have to hit subscribe before you hit the bell. Yes. Please do that. Um, and yeah, stay tuned to next time where we're going to be discussing, and I'm putting it now it's official. It's going on the transcript. Dance, 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 dance. Sorry, that's an inside joke. Uh, it's going to be about psychology and advertising and marketing. Yes. So. And I would add, write us an email, podcast at trimondo.com, and let us know if you're a marketer, how are you using AI uh, to power your marketing? Is it in research? Is it an actual content generation? Is it things like that? Um, where are you finding shortfalls and where are you finding, where are you getting wins and losses in there? And then what uh, what what do you predict is coming in the future? We'd love to hear. Again, podcast at trimoto.com. So there you go. Boom, Boom. baby. Boom. <laughs> thank you all. And thank you, Brandon. Thank you, Jordan. It's been a pleasure, my dude, as always. Till next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.